All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Patrick, and I have Sophie with me today. Say hey, Sophie. Hello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Let's see if I can do this. You're listening to <laughs> Fuck. My name is Brennan Patrick. That's Sophie. You're listening to Super Lit. We're tired. <laughs> bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBT community. Hello. Oh my God. Hello. How many times can we do that? Um, we're both very exhausted. Our work weeks are very interesting. I just got promoted at my muggle job and, um, I, I don't know why I'm so tired from it, but like, uh, I've been working a lot and, uh, so have you, Sophie. I've been working too much. One might say. Not enough. Yikes. Um, but we just saw each other on Sunday for Philly Pride, and that was a wonderful, joyous event. We had many a food afterwards, which was really delicious. We had too much food. I honestly, someone should have stopped me when I ordered all that cake, but, like, it didn't, it, I, it, nothing would have mattered. I would have still gotten it, let's be honest. <laughs> it, it just didn't. Yeah, but um, it was nice to see all of our friends and also to see the beautiful display of the LGBT community. Um, and so in honor of Pride Month and, you know, just like celebrating our community in general, I thought Sophie and I could put together a list of 10 uh, books, whether they're comics or otherwise, um, that celebrate the LGBT community. And so basically, books you should read past the month of Pride, because only reading them in Pride Month is silly. You should read them all the time. So um, do you want to, I can do mine, you can do yours, or you can do yours, I'll do mine. What do you want to do? Um, it, it doesn't matter. You can go first. All right. So um, I have, I wish you all the best by Mason Deaver. Um, said their last name correctly this time. Good job. They'd be proud. <laughs> Thank God. And they're not even here. So like, that's just like the embarrassing part. Of course I get it right now. Um, and then I have death prefers blondes by Caleb Rorig, which like, let's be honest. If you haven't read this yet, are you even living? Like, let's be honest. Are you even listening to our podcast? <laughs> have you not heard us cry about Caleb Rorig enough? Uh, I want to go back and listen to it again. Cause I love all of my children. Um, he posted something about the audiobook recently and i'm just like <laughs> well i'm so tired i completely fr- i didn't even i actually read that book at that has that book was i'm so sleepy <laughs> oh no don't worry it's oh, fine no. <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> Kayla, so don't when worry it, i swear to god i love you so much <laughs> when it comes out as an audiobook i'm gonna listen to it so much it's gonna be great i have so many thoughts about the audiobook but anyway um, then I have Darius the Great is Not Okay by Adib Karam. 
And then I have They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. I have The House of Impossible Beauties by Joseph Kassara. And then I have the book that we're going to be talking about today, Brave Face by Sean David Hutchinson. Uh, <laughs> yeah? Stop it. My, Is there a cat on you? My cat was laying on my keyboard and started highlighting everything on my screen. And now she is trying to eat my headphone wire. Which one? It's chicken. Oh, chicken. No. There she is. <gasps> oh, my God. That was perfect. <laughs> Please stop eating my headphones. Please stop. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just going to. <laughs> She's a little monster. Oh my god. Oh, she I took went to go take a picture of her doing it and she's like, "All right, I'm done now. I'm just going to lay here." That's I'm done being a monster. No evidence. <laughs> Never get caught on film, girls. Oh, wow. All right. My Good. cat is from the 40s. She's a mob boss. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. I'm so tired. Do you want to hear the books that I like? Yeah, I can't wait. Fuck. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, so um, I've got three comics and two books that I think everyone should read. I'm so tired. You got you're gonna, this. I you're going to have to edit, edit out all, us just saying we're tired 8,000 times. It's fine. I'm just going to have it in a sound loop. That's going to be a special episode. The new theme song. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Um, okay. Uh, the first book that I'm suggesting everyone read is, um, the witch boy by, uh, Molly Ostrog. She is an amazing comic book artist. I, it's one of her, um, graphic novels that came out last year or the year ish before. And I actually had the chance of like buying a copy from her directly and she signed it and it's on my shelf and I love it so much. And it's just such a good, um, beautiful story. It's not necessarily, no, it's, I mean, it's queer. So <laughs> yikes! you were just like, here's some books. And I'm like, no, let me talk about all of my books. Um, no. So Molly is a queer artist and, and comic creator and the story is basically about a young boy who's told that he can't be a witch because witches in his village are all women and he doesn't understand why he can't be a witch also because he feels more drawn to it than any of the tasks that like the men usually have it also came out with its uh, sequel novel the midwinter witch this year so that's looking forward to that uh, which i haven't read yet Um, i want to read that it's very good. I'll like, let you borrow my copy if you're very, very careful with it. <laughs> I would definitely be careful with it. Also, that sounds very much like something I'd be like, wait, why can't I be a witch again? Mom, I don't get it. I Mom. don't get it. <laughs> um, the next book that I have on my list is Nomona. We're sticking with this family because it is uh, a graphic novel that is written and drawn by Noelle Stevenson, who is engaged and soon to be married to Molly Ostrich. I love them both. They're too cute. It's not fair. Um, Noelle Stevenson is an amazing comic book artist. She's done so much. She's currently one of like the head 
uh, creators on She-Ra, but uh, Nimona is like a really good take on a classic like hero versus villain tale with a little bit of a gay twist. We love a gay twist. <laughs> um, my last comic book I'm plugging and telling everyone to read during this fabulous Pride Month is the Legend of Korra series. If you have not watched any of Avatar, uh, I think it's some of the best animation that has come out of any kind of American production company ever, let alone in the last like 10 years. It's one of the best shows that Nickelodeon has ever produced. It's absolutely amazing. I forget that that is from America because it's actually anime. Like it's not just like a cartoon. It's like anime. It, no, it's definitely anime inspired, but it is, yeah, it's, it's fucking phenomenal. But the second series in that story has two queer women in it. And if there was any doubt whatsoever that they were just like queer coded or some kind of queer baiting nonsense, no, no, no. Read the comic literally on like the third page of the comic, which is a continuation of the show. They're like, so we're gay, by the way, we're gay. We're dating. We're girlfriends. We're gay. Did we say that we're gay yet? We're very gay. Everyone read that comic. (laughs) I forget that those have like uh, comics with them too. Um, that was, a weird to say as like an adult, one of my favorite Nickelodeon shows. No, it definitely, I mean that, yeah, no, it is. It's phenomenal. It's because so Nickelodeon good. doesn't have the differentiation between their like quote unquote, like, you know how like Cartoon Network has adult swim. Like there isn't anything like that on Nickelodeon. Even I remember they had like teen Nick in our era, but like, I don't think that's a thing anymore. It's just Nickelodeon. Right. Yeah, they just have one network, pretty much. The next book that I thought of on my list, uh, I think of important queer influences on my life. I think of a handful of authors, but I think, well, I'm going to, I might have more than five books. (laughs) Um, But I think a lot about David Leventhal. He writes really fantastic young adult queer fiction and was probably some of the first queer fiction that I read when I was in like junior high and high school. And I just remember really loving the way he handles um, being queer and young. Um, And I specifically his book, uh, the Realm of Possibility was really good. I don't remember. I have much. that book on my shelf. <laughs> I don't remember too much about it specifically, but it's all poems. And I remember like reading it and like it being a book when I was like 13 and literally not being able to put it down. I loved it so much. Um, Someone gave me that book as a present for Christmas that I worked with uh, based solely on the fact that I wear a clattering every day. It's very important to wear a clattering. Everyone wear a clattering. <laughs> Everybody wear one. It's important. Um, I'm not going to say two more books. Well, I'm going to just say one author, and I feel like I've already talked about it a million times, but he, Augustine Burroughs is so important to me as a human uh, in yes. this world. <laughs> he's he's like had such a strong influence on my life when I was younger that I literally can't describe how much I loved his writing, but uh, I think his books also probably 
resonate a lot with the book we're going to talk about today because all of his books are memoirs pretty much. Um, he deals with a lot of tough subjects and talks very openly about his childhood and all of the things that he went through. And I think he's stuff reading. And then I have one more bonus book. Bonus. <laughs> bonus. Um, because it's Pride Month and we need to celebrate our gay history and all of that that all of that 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 entails. I said that correctly. I'm so tired. You got this. I believe in you. <laughs> uh, so for Pride Month, I want to celebrate as much gay history as possible, and I can't express how much I love Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Uh, in words, everything he's ever written is like my favorite thing in the world. And I'd say that about a lot of people, but truly I've seen his play and production so many times. And, um, the specific thing that I'm going to, uh, talk about is the picture of Dorian Gray, which has so much gay subtext. It is ungodly. Uh, it is a, just about some men really loving each other a lot and talking about how beautiful everyone is and just really being good friends. And if you want to make it extra special for Pride Month, you should pick up the uncensored, unedited version of Picture of Dorian Gray that has extra parts that were written and then taken out of the original published book because it was too gay for society, just like Oscar himself. So, celebrate Pride by reading some fucking banned gay books, kids. Yes. I also have a painting of myself in my basement um, that someone told me that because I have that, that I was like Dorian Gray and I didn't understand that at that point in time because that painting was made when I was a sophomore and I hadn't read the book and a person I was like dating at the time was like, yeah, you're like Dorian Gray. And I was like, I don't know if that's like a compliment. And he was like, it kind of is. It kind of isn't. I'm like, all right, well like thanks, I guess. I guess. Thanks. I mean, sure. (laughs) That painting's not aging, but I am. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) It's doing the opposite. Yikes. Um, Also Dorian is probably one of my favorite characters on Sabrina. So Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> They're on Sabrina too. Did you not know that? I don't watch that show unless it has Melissa Joan Hart in it. I've never watched it. Oh, okay. Anyway, Karen Shipka is a great actress. I believe you. Anyway, um, all right, let's get into Brayface. It's it's so good, but it's a lot. <laughs> this book is very good, but it is a lot. Um, today I spoke to a high school a uh, classroom full of students that were asking questions about what it's like to be an like an adult queer person in the working world. Um, and I brought this book up quite a few times because I mentioned how um, I'm just going to like skip ahead a little bit and then we'll get back to it. But uh, how different it was in like just even the early nineties to be like out and gay versus like when I came out versus when like these students are coming out. Um, this book mentions Love, Simon as like a waypoint for how the the kids now have different types of media, like like this podcast, um, and they have different things that 
you know, I didn't have and that Sean David Hutchinson didn't have um, coming, you know, when they were kids. And it's, it's just very interesting to see, like, in the 10-year and then in the 20-year, like, the difference of things that, like, we have at our disposal. And, um, yeah. I think that part resonated with me the most was when he was talking about that we're just we're just gonna dive in we're just gonna skip ahead yeah but there's a point in the book where he talks about going to see a movie with one of his friends that has two queer protagonists and they don't die and it was like a fucking revelation and it was like the first time in his life that he'd seen like queer characters portrayed as ha- being allowed to be happy. Um, and I think like as much as we have now, it's still like not enough queer representation because there's still like so much that is like, yeah, this is, this character's gay, but are they like actually like, a good portrayal of like this kind of person or like, okay, they like are gay, but they're also still like a cis white man or like, okay, they're gay, but they're also like this and that, like there's just so much in this world that like people truly like want to see themselves on the screen. And we just have like so much further to go as far as we've come. But it was like, really, it was amazing to like listen to that. Cause the, obviously the book is a memoir. So it's dealing with a lot of like really personal issues. Um, and having that like moment of hope in that part of the book, I kind of felt the same hope that he was feeling in that moment or I felt like I was because there had just been so much that had happened before that it was like this kind of this beautiful moment of, of hope. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. I I literally started tearing up at that point because it brought back the feeling of when I saw Love, Simon. I'm actually getting emotional thinking about this. It brought up the emotion that I felt when I saw Love, Simon in the movie theater. And I've been out for over 10 years at this point, which is weird to say. Um, And for this person who, like, was freshly out to see this, Um, especially during a time where like this person thought very bad things about not only themselves, but the community because of the way that it had been portrayed in media. And they talk about that a lot in this book because literally the only two people that like in the media that were like gay, that like he had known of were what Tito from uh, the mannequin movie Mannequin, yeah. Yeah, Mannequin, and then Hollywood from, I forget which movie that one's from. Oh, fuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, like, this is... The, 90s references, yes. Yeah, exactly, like, this is the issue. Like, there are two people that, like, they're literally there. They have no real character. They're there to progress the straight man's, like, um, their storyline. They don't get a storyline themselves. They're, like, to young Sean, they're like overtly gay. They have no personality. Um, and like things that he was feeling about himself were basically funneled into him by the way that the media portrayed people and by, you know, his mom's friend dying of HIV and AIDS. So like, it's a lot to deal with. And I literally started like quietly sobbing while I'm reading this 
this part about beautiful things is the movie that uh, he saw. And I just, I felt that emotion so deeply. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, no, I think that, um, I think that we're so lucky to have is just the internet because even there's like, pre- there is later moments where he talks about using the internet to like talk to people and use it as like a way of writing like, a blog. Oasis. Um, yeah. Um, and it's kind of like this, this like very like brief connection to like an outside world, but it's like, I literally have like at my fingertips, like it, I can access anything in the world and I had know so much about queer culture and like so many like queer books and like movies and music. Like I like all of the bands and stuff he was like referencing was like, I know all of these, but I know all of this because of the internet and because of like my friends and stuff who are like, here's all these queer musicians. Like we need to listen to this music and like stuff. And it's not just like, you know, like, Oh, it's like, it has to be some kind of like, crazy like pop music like share like madonna like no let's listen to like some fucking like badass like queer core like this is totally this is a thing that exists and i just was like every time he was talking about just trying to be like a punk kid but it wasn't like everything about him was just like screaming queer but it was like but this isn't how i see gay people so i clearly can't be gay and i was like no but everything you're saying is so queer this is like insane to me yeah i think like a lot of the like rage that he has before he like comes out and while he's like in the process of like i guess coming like working through it I felt as like at a younger age because like I was figuring it out and it was like, I can't be like everyone, like the things that people say about me can't be right. I can't be gay. And his, I think is obviously much more uh, developed rage. And uh, I think he dealt with it a lot harder than I did. Um, But it's, it's so interesting. Like he has the, on the cover of the book, he has the shirt that says queer on it and the doc Martens. And when they, they get to the part in the book where he's wearing that, I'm like, ah, that's the cover. I literally, like, as he started describing that outfit, I was like, I, like, flipped over my phone, and I was like, wait, okay, suspenders, there they are. Okay, Doc Martens, yep, here we are. Yep, this whole outfit, here we go. This is great. I love it so much. And for, like, the amount of difficult things that are spoken about in this book, and... He even, like, prefaces the book, with, like, at the beginning with, like, a trigger warning. He's like, oh. these are the things that are said. And I remember him about tweeting that. about this. He tweeted about this. He was like, I might do this. I think I want to do this for the book because it's really a lot to deal with. And he even says, he's like, listen, if you have to put this book down and walk away and come back at a later date to finish reading or, like, not at all. Like, I have never respected an author more for doing that because I have read some really fucked up shit that... I was not expecting like that book about conversion therapy. I didn't know that was about conversion therapy and it fucked me up and it wasn't fair that I was not warned beforehand because it's not really spoken about. And like, he literally warns you at the beginning of this book, literally page one, like, Hey, we're going to say the F word a lot. It's going to be used a lot. And listen, younger Sean wasn't like exactly a great person. If you're mad at him, that's cool. I understand. Like literally taking like so much responsibility in this book and it's unreal. Um, 
Okay, so the audiobook not only has like the actual like written down trigger warnings that are in the text, so like the author. Oh, by the way, he reads the audiobook himself too, which is his I voice think, like. It's he's great. I don't know. Uh, um, I'm sure he's, really he's nice, <laughs> but also it was really fucking hard to listen to someone say uh, lots of gay slurs at me uh, uh did you have uh, headphones in too yeah oh god Ugh. yeah I, see that's that's rough i'm i'm really not a person who is offended by a lot of things like i under like i'll get offended by things but i'm just like i'm offended because i understand on like a moral level that that's like upsetting but that that like that one word like genuinely gives me like a physical reaction, and he says it a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I so that was another thing that came up in conversation with the school today. Um, I have always been a person that has never liked that word. Uh, I have been assaulted while that word has been said to me, so I obviously have a different reaction to it than like. I have a drag queen friend that like will walk up to other queens and just be like, Hey girl, like we'll say it. And I'm like, I can't like, I also literally said to someone on Facebook once they like wrote, they, they themselves are queer and they use that word on my Facebook talking about something. And I deleted the comment and I said to them, I was like, I'm not going to explain to my family why a queer person, like it's okay for them to say it. I don't necessarily agree with that, but like, them saying it does not have as much weight as like a straight person, you know, like a, you know, but they got mad at me and I'm like, listen, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to have this conversation with my family because you want to say that word. I'm not comfortable with that word. So I'd rather you not say it at all. But like, if you want to, I understand, but like some people use it very freely. And that came up in conversation at the school. And I said, you know, cause I use the word queer a lot. And one of the moderators was like, it's really interesting how when I was a kid, the word queer was like not a thing and you're saying it very like freely. And he said, it's a really great umbrella term, but even in like, say, I wish you all the best, the word queer is used. And someone brings up like some people aren't okay with that word. You have to be very aware of that. Yeah. And then I always would try to, adjust my language based on what someone's informing me that makes them uncomfortable. So I understand a lot of people use that word to describe themselves or in the same way that queer is now more of an umbrella term for everyone in like the LGBTQA community. Um, it still makes some people uncomfortable. So I wouldn't want to use it if it makes people uncomfortable, but I also respect people who want to use that word. Um, I think it, it also just like depends on who you're talking to. depends on who you're talking to. It depends on the context of the conversation, but I literally think it also just has like the syllables of it are just so much more abrasive. And it might just also be because it is just a generally, it just upsets me. But um, as saying like, so, you know, there's a lot of really, there's a lot of that kind of language in this book there and it's not, I feel like the it's been in books that we've read 
previously, but it's always been from the perspective of like, okay, this person's like assaulting someone or this person's like, this is a bad person in this narrative. They're like attacking someone. They're using it with malice. And this is just like, you're hearing the narrator of the story describe themselves with that word and describe other people in the queer community just like really like flippantly with it. It was really, it was rough. It was rough. And, um, the first page other than like the trigger warning page, which has, you know, um, the national suicide prevention lifeline. There's also the Trevor project that it gets better project to write love in her arms, trans lifeline, the Jed foundation. Literally. I love that that is right there at the beginning of the book. And it's before a page called content warning, which the author, Sean goes into talking about like, Hey, it's understandable. If this makes you upset, it makes me upset. This is just um, something that how I, this is how I spoke and I'm not saying it's right, but this is how it happened to be. And I'm trying to make this as, you know, as close to the thing as possible. And I can imagine writing that word over and over again throughout a course of a book uh, can be really grating emotionally especially when you've written it, then you have to do edits of it. And then you have to like decide, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? And then you have to like sort of stand by it, which is like weird to say. And then now that you've written it, now you have to like say the word more than once over, like not over and over again, back to back, but like kind of like that. And it's, it's really difficult. And I knew going into this book that it was going to be kind of, I don't want to say hard to stomach, but it was going to be a more difficult read for both of us. Um, but I, I didn't realize how many times I put the book down. This is, this book took me longer to read than anything else I've read for the podcast. I'm genuinely unsure if I would have finished it, if I didn't have the obligation to listen to it for the podcast, (laughs) because I think I would have, put it I think I would have stopped listening to it to give myself a break and I don't know if I would have like been able to encourage myself to finish it just on my own volition to be completely honest yeah and it's it's I didn't this isn't something that I have like gone out of my way to find like books that have this kind of language in it either and I think it's like oddly brave to like put this out there and be like this is how I behaved this is like my how my mannerisms were this is what I thought of myself this is what I thought of the community I I I'm like 100% sure Sean is a very different person now and he even says like he wishes he could like take some things back himself but he can't obviously because it's in the past um and I would actually be interested in reading Sean's other work only because I want to see how it compares to this. Obviously it's a memoir, so it's different, but um, as difficult as this was to read, I think this was like, like very realistic of like a person who is like very clearly, very angry um, about who they are and coming to terms with like their life isn't going to be exactly what they imagined. Uh, they're not going to grow up to be the lawyer that they want to be. Um, they're not going to they might not get into acting school. Like it's literally like 
it, it's weird that it's important because it's very raw, but it's also like very aggressive and difficult to read, but it's kind of like rewarding to read. It's weird to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to, yeah. Um, it was rough to read. It definitely was. I think this might be the first book that I'm like, just read it. Don't listen to the audiobook because it's really hard <laughs> to yeah, like, I hear I, it read to you. I can't imagine how hard this was for you to listen to. Um, all that being said, though, I mean, it's important. I think it's like a thing that if you have the mental capacity to relive someone's trauma basically with them through their own words, it it's worth listening to or reading because it's so important, especially if you feel that way about yourself at all. If you have depressive thoughts or uh, negative tendencies or harmful tendencies towards yourself, um, if you feel like you could read something like this without it negatively impacting your like mental state, I think, I think it's something everyone should read. I don't, I don't know how to talk about it. Cause it's just, it, it's like a lot. It's, it was a fucking lot. <laughs> it's a very, I think out of the books that we've read, um, even like compared to Bettyville, which, uh, is a memoir, if I remember correctly. Um, that was a little bit easier to read. And that was about the AIDS crisis along with like taking care of this person's mother. This was very much like internalized homophobia, depression to the point of like attempting to take their own life. And it's, it's very, it's very saddening. It's very like heavy to read. And I feel like reading something like this is difficult to read only because I think it makes you like kind of look at like what you like, your experience has been um and looking at theirs and going like oh that's like this was different from my experience like not completely but like not to the same degree and i think talk about like mental health is so ish like such an issue within our community because it's really important and we really don't talk about it enough in general especially with you like men are really not taught to talk about their feelings ever i know like this i feel like everyone's not really allowed to talk about their feelings like they're not taught to and i think reading this and like seeing it's just like it it hurt to read but it was very important because it we don't get books like this this isn't something that we get and this is like a realistic view of someone from the early 90s coming out during the time of like matthew shepherd and it's just like uh, it really, really like during Doma, it's like very, very difficult. And I forget that a lot of this stuff happened in my lifetime. Well, cause we were, I mean, yeah, there's like moments where, so the majority of this book is made up of him reading direct journal entries, blogs, letters, and conversations that he has written down from like his, um, like from growing up. So I think this is so 
it feels like so much more than like um, it feels so much more than a fictional retelling of something or even another, a different kind of memoir because it's literally the words that he was writing down while he was in these mental states in like deep depressive episodes being extremely self-loathing as a teenager trying to understand his own identity um so it just is it's just so much (laughs) but so there's dates and stuff written down and I'm like I was I was alive but I was like seven like I didn't I didn't even comprehend what was happening around me as in a global sense, let alone like any kind of like concept of how I would fit into the world or like what, how I would try to like project my own identity into the world. I don't <laughs> No, because you're you're six, seven years old. You don't go. It's a child. Yeah, exactly. Like literally, we were nuggets. So like to hear in like it's almost like an alternate reality, but it's like the same reality experience of someone who's older than you by like not like a huge amount of time either going through this like difficult thing and living to talk about it, which is just like. This was probably, uh, like, I imagine this to be difficult to write. So, like, I can imagine this was, like, something that was, might have been Sean's, like, most difficult thing to write only because of, like, the kind of content that it is. And as, like, rough and, like, put the book down it was, uh, I'm kind of glad that we got to, like, have like have this conversation, um, or to read this book at least, because it, we read a lot of like feel good books because that like, that's the kind of content that I like to read. Um, and I know we're looking for other content as well. I know we're trying to find more adult, you know, literature, more things that are not just boys falling in love in high school. But this was like, but a that's re- the thing is like, we're, it's this weird balance of like, I want to, talk about this kind of story. I want to talk about the pain and the trauma and the experience of going through this kind of stuff. But I also don't because we have love Simon now and we have, I wish you all the best. And we have all of these amazing queer, happy stories about kids growing up, figuring out who they are and being okay. And it's like, I just want to like, I don't know. I want more gay rom-coms <laughs> because I like spent my whole childhood watching like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks fall in love with each other. I fucking love it. And I will watch sleepless in Seattle until I die. It's as you should. <laughs> I literally at the drop of a pin will put on when Harry met Sally constantly, even though the thesis of that movie is insane, but it's so good. But I also, want to maybe watch love simon forever because it's like so good and just two queer characters falling in love i want to watch more things that have queer kids being okay because of this (laughs) and literally when i again when i was reading that part about love simon i literally remembered the feeling i had in the movie theater listening to 
Simon's mom be like, you finally get Jennifer the, Garner. You finally get the breath of fresh air. I almost said someone else, and that's why I didn't say it. <laughs> when um, Jennifer Garner says you finally get to breathe, and then I'm crying. I'm literally crying. Simon's crying. The stranger next to me is crying. Everyone's crying, and I'm so embarrassed, but I'm crying. And like, we didn't <laughs> get those things growing up, and we have them now, and it's so different. And like, as important as these like amazing, I want a million rom-coms. Like I, that literally opened the door to be like, look, you can give a gay rom-com a blockbuster, like, you know, treatment and you will, it will pay off. You can make a movie like what it's moonlight, right? Moonlight. Yeah. Moonlight. You can make a movie like moonlight and it will pay off. Like these are the thing you can make a movie like black Panther and it will pay off. Like if you make it, they will come. If you give someone the chance or you do these things, it, it's not even that it's going to pay off. It is a thing and it represents people as like real people. And I, I think that because we do have things like love Simon, we do get those like amazing, like fluffy, like love stories, like things like this are like even more important because we don't, we didn't really get those like rom-coms before. We're starting to get them now. We still need more. I want a million Meg Ryan like movies, but gay. Make them gay. <laughs> Meg Ryan, but make it gay. You know, like I want that. Exactly. And oh I, my god! I really, as difficult as this was to read, I really did. I don't. I don't want to say like enjoy reading it because that's like I feel like weird saying that, but it was really like gut wrenching. Gut wrenching because of how real it was. I, I knew going into this that it was going to be hard to read, but I didn't realize that like it was going to bring up a lot of emotions for me. And, um, it was a lot and I, I'm kind of really glad I read it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel the same. <laughs> we have it so much better now than we did before. And we obviously still have like miles to go, but like, this shows you that like we've made great strides and uh, we obviously still need to, you know, work on protecting our like trans brothers and sisters are the people of color in our community and not just protecting white twinks, but like really just like working on the whole community. And this book is like a realistic look at like, Hey, this is a thing that happened. I'm going to share it and it's going to be rough. And I hope that you can stand it. Mm-hmm. Me looks at the gayborhood in Philly. <laughs> yes. Wait, it's not just gay white men. Bastards. Yeah, honestly, You can edit this out. <laughs> no, it's fine. I Oh, one of the bars, that, the bar I went out with uh, James to, they charged me three times on my card and overdrew me. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I bought two drinks. Literally, that's it. So sixteen fifty, and then I tipped them four dollars because I felt like that was an, an even amount to round up to, and they charged me like overall eighty dollars, and I was like, first of all, someone there is giving themselves a big tip, and they don't deserve it because it was pride. The service wasn't great. That's homophobic. It's truly homophobic during this our Pride Month. Other than that, I think I covered everything I wanted to talk about. 
The only other thing I have written in my notes is like all of the pop culture references that they were was making. many and plentiful, and I loved it. Every single thing, like every single time he talked about Chris O'Donnell, I was like, "Fucking yes, he's such a good Robin." Oh my god, Batman and Robin is my favorite movie. It's probably definitely oh, because Uma god. Thurman is Poison Ivy. Just like kill me, please. Oh my god, um, he's like talking about Star Trek. He plays D and D. He's talking about Mercedes Lackey, which is like one of the first like queer fantasy authors I've ever heard of, like ever had heard of when I was younger. Um, just like so much good, like my the every time he was like, well, I'm but I'm not gay, but I'm also like playing D and D, reading Mercedes Lackey. And I was like, you're fucking queer, my friend. I know this is internalized homophobia, and I know there's a lot going on, but also it was just it was just very so. As, as much of a struggle as this book is, as hard as the topics that this book covers, there was a, like, I felt a strong connection to the author the whole time. It feels weird to say, like, I feel like I had a connection to him because obviously I don't know this person, but he is extremely, he, he, the story he writes is extremely personal and I feel like how comfortable he is sharing like all of this information with the world is insane. (laughs) And I identified with him on a pop culture level very strongly. And it just made, I, that seems like a strange thing to say, but I feel like a majority of my personality is made up from pop culture references. I literally screamed at the panel today that I asked someone if they had watched Parks and Recreation and they said no. And I screamed, I'm only funny if you've watched those shows. Oh no. I've never watched Parks and Rec. Also, um, well, you just know I'm funny. Also, Chris O'Donnell and the Batman suit, if that nipple suit didn't make you gay or like make you realize you were gay, uh... I don't know what will. Yeah, yeah. Then you get a good shot of Alicia Silverstone's ass and her close-ups when she becomes Batgirl. They're great movies. Guys, go watch the Batman movies from the 90s. They're classics. They are pure camp. If you want to know what camp is, honey, you watch those movies. Uh, Rami Malek should have showed up to the Met Ball dressed as the Riddler. Um, honestly, I would be here for it. And Remy Malik, the next time you portray a queer icon and you show up to a Met Ball looking like that, fire your stylist. Fire yourself. You've been fired. <laughs> cancel yourself. Cancel your stylist. Cancel fashion. Don't show up to anything looking like that again. You look <laughs> handsome. I will say that. Uh, sure, whatever. Uh, we're getting completely off topic. We are. Um, I just realized that Poison Ivy has red-tipped green leather gloves. Um, oh, yeah. Talk about queer icon. Can we uh, talk about Poison Ivy? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, but that's literally all. I, oh, my God. This picture of Chris O'Donnell. I'm going to send this to you because I want you to see it. Um, oh, no. Yeah, this is. Thank you, Sean, for ruining my life. I forgot that, Sean, I forgot that uh, Chris O'Donnell is hot. I feel like we didn't even talk about the book, but also talked way too much about the book. Uh, did we <laughs> cover enough? I think we covered enough. I think we did enough of the book. I feel like anything that I would say that would give people more information about what's 
what they should expect is clearly covered by the author himself at the beginning. He does it. You already said this, but he does a really spectacular job of letting people know the content that he's writing about and making the readers comfortable. Because even later, puts a trigger warning at the beginning of the book and is like, this is what I'm talking about. There's a lot of like slurs or there's a lot of like homophobic language. There's a lot of um, self-harm and depression discussed in the book. And then later on in the book, when like even more is brought up, he's like, this is what I'm about to talk about. If you don't think you can read this, you can skip to the next part. <laughs> like he's very considerate of who's reading his story. Which I think, again, like, the type of things that I've read before, um, giving a trigger warning, and I remember him talking about it on Twitter, um, was is honestly one of the most thoughtful things someone can do when talking about something like this, because not everyone is going to be able to handle the same amount of things that everyone else can, you know? Like, it, it's a lot to deal with. And especially if someone is feeling those thoughts or have felt those thoughts, and that is triggering to them, um, it's really, I think that was a very thoughtful thing for Sean to do. And I think that's what made this book so good too, is that it gives us a chance to be like, you know what? I can't deal with this right now. Thank you for alerting me. I will put this down and pick it back. Like I've never read a thing from an author that's like, Hey, if you have to put this book down, it's okay. I know it's, I know it's like, a, it's heavy. Like, I think that's amazing. All right. Well, um, Sophie, do you feel like we covered everything that you want to talk about? I think so. <laughs> We're both really exhausted. I'm so tired. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm like already exhausted from the from my work week and then I read this book and I'm so emotionally drained from it in a in a it's fine. I'm fine. I feel like <laughs> I'm fine. I feel like this whole podcast episode is just us being like, guys, this book is a lot. Just be ready. It's a lot. And then we like talk for a minute and then we're like, it's just so much. It's just so much. Um, You're not wrong. We definitely did that. But at the end of the day, I would still suggest this book. At the end, like over everything, I would still be like, hey, go do this. Yeah, no, if I would absolutely 100% everyone read this book because um, I'm going to, uh, bringing it back to our previous discussion, um, as much as I love Augustine Burroughs and as, as much as he's impacted me when I was younger, a lot of the stuff he writes about is extremely, um, is... Uh, slightly upsetting he had a lot of trauma when he was younger and it's difficult to read but it is it's worth it <laughs> I don't know how else to put it it it's worth reading to if nothing else to reflect back onto yourself while you're reading and how you're processing things and how it affects you and maybe seeing something from someone else's perspective, even if they're gone through something, you know, just how you're responding to someone else's trauma. I think you can learn a lot about yourself. I agree. I think that is a really good way to sum up this book. 
Um, I have one quote that we can go out on, and it is when Sean and his friend are going to see the um, beautiful movie that changes his life and gives him hope, and he just is. Oh, that was too good. <laughs> Amazing. Moment. Um, this final quote to go out on, which is Sean going, I don't know what it's about, just that it's gay. <laughs> Honestly, every book that I've ever picked up, I'm like, looks gay, might read. Yeah. I've, that you is know literally I've been the premise of this podcast. Through, <laughs> been scrolling through that LGBT uh, section on Netflix, which is shamefully small. Uh, yeah, Netflix, um, I'm going to need to talk to you about your uh, latent homophobia during this Pride Month. Oh, God. <laughs> don't uh, buy things from corporations, kids. Don't buy do it. Buy things from queer artists. Yes. Um, but uh, my name is Brendan Patrick. What's your name? I'm Sophie. <laughs> We're both exhausted. Thank you so much for dealing with us today. Um, go out and get Sean's book. It is called Brave Face. And you'll, when they said Brave Face in the book, I, got, I screamed. I admitted it. <laughs> you got you got that excited for that titular line? Well, like that's like when they said desperate on Desperate Housewives, I'd be like, that is the title of this show. When they were like, yeah, we're the Gilmore Girls, and you were like, ah! exactly. <laughs> Literally, there's a there's a playlist on Spotify that says songs that are guaranteed to make gays scream. Things that are guaranteed to make gays scream is saying Desperate Housewives on Desperate Housewives, saying Brave Face in the book Brave Face. Also saying Gilmore Girls on Gilmore Girls. When all the Avengers assemble and you're like, that's right, here it is. It's the end game. Whoop, there it is. Make Valkyrie gay. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Um, thank you so much for listening to Superlit. I'm Brendan Patrick. That's Sophie. We love you. This is Chicken. <laughs> oh, I love this. <laughs> our, our, co- our third co-host. Thank God. They have so much input. All right, I'm going to go to bed now. All right, love you. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.